Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 73rd edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We're going back to the 80s now, some dark times in the 80s at Wolves. Um, here is a, a defender, forward slash midfielder, who signed in January 86 and was with the club till August 1987, making 21 appearances for the club. Roger Eli. Roger, how are you? I'm fine, Jason. Hope you are too. Yes, I'm good, thank you. I'm very, very good. Um, in I, fact, I, we, we had a little chat before. You, you know my broadband's not great. And I had another calamity because I've just moved house and I've, I've got this little office. I'm looking around it at the minute. And, uh, oh my God, I'm, I opened the curtains and there was three, hu- and I mean huge wasps. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll take, I'll take wasps instead of huge spiders any day. I'll have a wasp. Oh. Not a spider. See, me and the <laughs> missus, we argue. She hates spiders. I, we just hate creepy crawlies. But because it's an old house, it needs a lot of work yeah. doing. And there's just creepy crawlies <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so, um, but we'll talk about all the creepy crawlies that was in, in the Wolves dressing room shortly. But I always, at the start of the podcast, I always go right back, Roger. Because um, you, you obviously played for Leeds, huge club. But how did yeah. your football career start and how did you get spotted initially by Leeds? Well, do you know, initially I was at um, Nottingham Forest. I did my schoolboy um, schoolboy football with Nottingham Forest. Um, it was quite interesting um, because another former um, Wolves player, really good mate of mine, Mickey Holmes, was at Nottingham Forest as well. Yes, that's we right. Bradford, yeah, yeah. So we used to travel um, through. Um yeah, so I played I played at um, Forest from twelve to to fifteen, right? And it was some absolute fantastic times. Um, the highlight was going to to Italy and playing in a in a tournament against the likes of um, Juventus, AC Milan, Fiorentina, yeah. and um, Barry and Lazio, and it was brilliant because Brian Clough actually took the team. Okay. Um, he was out there, so it was a, a, a week-long tournament, and that was a massive eye-opener. Yes. He'd, obviously, he'd, he had um, two European Cups under his belt. It yeah. was just amazing. Um, and I played as a striker then, and, you know, I actually could have signed for two Italian clubs. Okay. Um, naturally, going back then, you know, you don't have agents, and you yeah. know, I'm just a schoolboy, and... You know, you kind of dismiss it, and I was dismissing it. And I can remember um, Brian Clough, you know, he, he called me and says, um, "Listen, this is serious. You know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for you." But to be honest, it just kind of, you know, all I wanted to do was just basically get home and and try to play in the top divisions. Yeah, and and who did you actually support growing up, Roger? I supported Leeds United. Um, okay, you were born in Bradford, yeah, wasn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, my hometown. Um, Team Bradford. I mean, yeah. I, I was a ball boy for him. I actually trained for him, but Leeds United was always my team. Yes. Um, but to be honest, as well, obviously we've been at Forest as well. That would that be a natural draw to it as well? Yes. Yes. So you made your debut for Leeds, I believe, uh, in 1983. Um, listen, 
Leeds, obviously a huge club, um, and on top of it, to be the club you supported, it, it literally was, excuse the pun, it is a dream come true, isn't it? Yeah, Jason, it's absolutely massive. It took, do you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. It, took, it probably took me about three months um, to get over it because, as a family, you know, we didn't we didn't attend the games. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we used to cons- constantly watch them on television. You know, yes. anything white, white kits. You know, yeah. and you know, even playing in like the back garden with you know your bro- my brothers. Um, we were those players. Yeah. So actually. Um, I think it was my first day as a, an apprentice. Um, went in there, and the first job we were doing was painting. Um, we had to paint the 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 long corridor, and Don Revy actually came in to see Eddie Gray, who was the manager at the time. And honestly, it was just it was just unbelievable because yeah. obviously Don Revy was this this figure that everybody just absolutely loved for um, for what he achieved at Leeds. Yes. And. Uh- and I believe uh, you actually played with a certain, in the reserves, a certain Dennis Irwin, didn't you, Roger? Yeah, do you know what? It was, It was. we had a, I think anybody who's been in the game, um, you'll class your, um, your apprentice as it was then, your times then, they are so special. Because we had a group of a group of players back then, um, there were the likes of John Sheridan, Terry Phelan, yeah. Tommy Wright, Scott Sellers... Um, and Dennis Irwin, well, and I'm only naming a, a few because there were a lot of good players around at Leeds United at that time. Yeah, and actually, that's a point. Just thinking back, and I'm not sure the answer. To this was Terry Connor there at the time. Yeah, Terry. Terry's a couple of years older than me, and Terry played with my brother um, at Grassroots. Okay. And yeah, yeah, Terry took me under his wing. Really, he was absolutely brilliant, Terry. Yeah. Um, you know, so Terry will have been about 18 when I were there. But do you know what, Terry? was like a 38-year-old because he was so professional. And to be honest, I remember still being at school and Terry was scoring goals for um, for Leeds United. He had a, do you know what, he was an upcoming star at Leeds. Yeah, yeah. And obviously went on eventually to to be the assistant manager at Wolves for many years and then was manager um, for for, for a short time. And we mentioned Dennis Irwin. I mean, you know, he come to Wolves in two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Actually, no, he come before then. Sorry, but he played in the oh three oh four Premier League season, and he he was one of the the standout players for us who never put a foot wrong. And we all know the career he had at Man United. I mean, mm. was he a player at Leeds? Jason, I can. I'll be honest with you. At the age of sixteen, he was a standout player. Then, right. when I say standout, Dennis could do absolutely everything. It didn't matter if we were playing cricket in the afternoon in the summer months; he'd be the best cricketer. Yeah, it didn't matter. Obviously, he he was a star in Cork Gaelic football. If we did extras and we played football, golf back then, he would be the one that had smashed the crossbar every single time. Dennis was that perfect sportsman. It used it used to do your head in, but playing alongside him, um, it was brilliant. Because you know, it was a bit of an eye opener. Because like most players, they are the standout players in the junior teams and the counties and so on before they get to um, the apprenticeship stage. Yeah. So you are basically the voice. But when you get to Leeds United, you've got Dennis Irwin alongside you. Now, yeah. that was the, the shoulders that he had on him. The knowledge he had in the game was just unbelievable. Yeah. So it was just great to play alongside him, you know? Oh, definitely. And, and even though such a good player back then, it, it's difficult to foresee the career he went to have. Because I believe at one point he was 
Man United's most decorated player with, with what he'd won. And, and when you think yeah. of the players of Bobby Charlton, George Best, Dennis Law, who was at the club obviously years previously, that's a huge accolade to hold, isn't it? Do you know what? It, it's, I'm not sure whether kids will look as far back. But when Eddie, Eddie Gray got signed, Billy came in, Billy Bremner, yeah. and it was Billy's second day. And for whatever reason, they singled me and Dennis out. I don't know whether it's because... I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, we were there were a group of us that were, were were quite close, but for whatever reason, he singled us both out, and he had the um, the assistant manager. Um, I think we called Dave Bentley, and he absolutely ran me and Dennis to death. Right. You know, he just ran us and ran us and ran us, and that is kind of a standard with either you're not fit or yep. they don't want you. But we were both really fit. Um, so it must have been that he didn't want us. And Dennis actually got freed from Leeds United, if you remember. Yeah, so yeah. Dennis then went to Old and built his career up. And yes, then the rest right, yeah. history. So that's for, you know, for you know for every every young player who's out there, you know, you can achieve, you know, and he did. Yes, he certainly did. Now, the big move for you... Uh, came in uh, January 1986, where you joined the Mighty Wolves. Um, you was you was with us for, I believe, just over a season. Now, mm. from your point of view, Roger, you, you know you're playing for your hometown club. You made two appearances in the first team, uh, I believe, in the league for Leeds. Um, to come to Wolves, yes, listen, Wolves were a massive club, uh, are a massive club, I should say. But but back then, it, it, it's certainly not the club it is now, and it certainly wasn't the club of the 70s. So, did you feel effectively you, you, you'd then gone to the third division? Did you feel it was almost a step down and, and, you know, was it a move for you to sort of play first-team football? Well, firstly, um, I mean, blimey, Wolves, Wolves are a massive club. Yeah. You know, um, the history, you know, El, Emily Hughes and, and well before that, I was well aware because I was really into my football. Um, but naturally, I wanted to play first-team football. Yes. Um, but it's kind of it's strange because even... It's a little bit different. Back then, you know, I could have gone to, to a number of clubs, but Eddie Gray wouldn't let me go. Um, they wouldn't let me go to, I think there were Chester, and there were Wigan that were interested in me. So I were like 18 and these clubs were wanting me on loan. But then it was a different scenario when yeah. Billy came in. You know, Billy just wanted rid of basically Eddie's players. Yeah. So, you know, Wolves had come in. Um, I just made my, my full debut under Billy. So I was quite surprised that, you know... He'd let you go he'd, as a young player. Yeah, he'd allowed me to go. Yeah. Um, listen, I'd had a... Right from my career, horrendous injuries. You know, I'd, I'd broke my leg. I'd been out um, previously nearly seven months with um, a cartilage operation yeah. and various other injuries uh, at Leeds. So, to, to be honest, you know, Billy... I think Billy basically brought David Rennie's David Rennie in from Leicester. It's, yeah. It said that there were Wolves are interested, and without even going to to see the club, you know, I'd gone down there and signed for him. Really, brilliant. And then I suppose it's quite difficult as a young man, isn't it? Because at that time, how old were you, Roger? Was you about eighteen, nine, uh, actually nineteen, twenty? Yeah, I was nineteen. I think we were nineteen then. Yes. Yeah. 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 In fact, I have seen a picture um, of those fantastic locks. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, you said, listen, you've got to find a better picture than that. It was, uh, yeah, because you had the old Soul Glow hairstyle then, didn't you, Roger? Oh, to tell you what, the Soul Glow, I tell you what, my mum used to hate that because when we used to sit on her, on her sofa, yeah. it was just the remnants left on, on the sofa <laughs> of the oil. Brilliant. But, yeah, do you know what I think... Um, Back in the day, that was a thing, wasn't it? The Soul Glow. Yeah. But you know what? I quickly realised that, you know, it was a no-no, not Soul Glow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. You, hey, you look you look very funky. So, you made your <laughs> debut uh, for Wolves. I mean, listen, I don't want to remind you of this. It was against Brentford in the mm. old third division. Wolves lost 4-1. It was at home. Dean Edwards scored for Wolves. 3,420 there that day. Now, yeah. you know, that's... You joined the club at a pretty low ebb, uh, and it was a difficult yeah. time for the club. So I suppose that makes it even harder as a young player coming in to a team literally up against it. It does make it harder, but do you know what? I was always confident in my ability in, in the sense that because I played with um, with a group of players at Leeds United that were, I mean, they were really, really outstanding footballers. So yeah. I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous to make making a. Di- um, my debut um, for Wolves, but do you know what? When you're young, you just want to do it. And do you know what? Mickey Mickey Holmes was in in the club at the time, and yeah. you know, I felt I felt absolutely. You know, it, it felt like great going into that because Sammy Chapman, as a man, as a gentleman, he was just absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, he made me feel welcome. So I didn't have any worries, to be honest, Jason, at all. Because it was Sammy Chapman that signed you, and then you, you ended up playing under three different managers, I believe. Mm. Uh, Sammy Chapman initially, then it was Brian Little, um, yeah. who was there for a very short time, and then it was Graham Turner, um, yeah. and I believe it was Graham Turner who eventually let you go. Um, yeah. Now, that, that first season, it, it, it did culminate in relegation. Um, yeah. Then we went into Division 4, but I think yeah. that's when the tide started to change then, because we did finish in the playoffs that year, I believe, didn't we? Well, yeah. Um, well, it was that season. I think that was the season that um, that was when Graham Turner came in, wasn't it? Yes, and we finished. Uh, I think yeah. we finished fourth or fifth, uh, and it was we, we played all the shot in the playoffs. Yeah, um, it, it was. It was kind of interesting because um, when Graham came in, I, I was injured. Um, in fact, I picked up two injuries, so I'd, I'd broke my foot under under Brian Little. Yeah. And then I thought I recovered. And whilst Brian got sacked, I played the first reserve game back under Graham Turner and I broke it again. So huh. that was a bit of a nightmare, really, because I was probably out for six weeks when he'd actually um, got the job. So yeah. to be honest, you know, he didn't know who I was. He didn't get to see me play. <laughs> and then when I actually did eventually come back, um, I broke my nose um, oh. in two places. So that put me out. So... It wasn't. It was never easy. But to be honest, I was kind of used to, used to the injuries and used to the managers because I think that will have been my sixth manager if I'm saying that Alan Clark signed me. Yeah. Um, at Leeds United, and then obviously, so from having starting a career, I, I had Alan Alan Clark, and then I had Graham Turner. So that were my sixth manager. So. And it, it's never easy, is that? It isn't because obviously Sammy Chapman that signed you, you know, all of a sudden you, you, there's someone that believes in you. They've signed yeah. you, whether they've yeah. paid for you or they haven't. You're their choice. And then when other managers come in, they've yeah. already got their own targets in place because they're coming into a club and they know they've got to change it. And and and, and yeah. that, that's the difficult thing, isn't it? 
Well, do you know what? It still happens now. And yeah. it's only when you finish it, because I'm not going to use the term bitter because that's what's used within football. But it's a, I'm going to use the term annoying. Yeah. Because to be honest, you just want to prove yourself. Because yes. when you go, when you're a, when you when you're a kid, you've got to continue to prove yourself to get that professional contract or to get that apprentice contract. I didn't mind proving myself because I know I eventually could. But it's the problem when you can't, Jason. Yes. And that was the most annoying thing, really. Yeah. Now. At your time at Wolves, 21 appearances. Um, once again, it's quite unsettling because I believe you played in five different shirt numbers. Um, and, and, and you know what? That is that is frustrating because I always say this to players who are tagged with the utility tag. Um, mm. It can work for and against you, can't it? Absolutely. Um, I would think kind of these days, um, and probably, probably back then, you'd have thought it would work for a football yeah. club because if I could play as a right-back and I could play as a centre-back and I could play in midfield, well, you know, those positions are kind of filled. Yes. Certainly from getting a um, a, a second-string um, um, in that position. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, it can be. But to be honest, when I look back... Um, I don't know whether, and it's easy to say, and it might sound a little bit conceited, but I were always comfortable on the ball, so and yes. I were always athletic, so it never really bothered me. Uh, you know, uh, it didn't bother me. Um, um, and Roger, if you know, looking back, what was your, especially at that time, what was your best position? What was your preferred position? Where would you have wanted to play, really, to show what you could do? Do you know what? Cent- centre midfield or um, right wing? That yeah. would have been my positions, to be honest. Um, but like, like I says, to be honest, I I, I was comfortable, yeah. so it never really bothered me, you know. Would have, would have played absolutely anywhere. Well, I would, apart from in goal, naturally. Now, <laughs> <laughs> after Graham Turner sort of let you go, so to speak, mm. how, could you foresee? I mean, immediately uh, that eighty-seven, eighty-eight season. Listen, Steve Ball pops on the scene. Uh, yeah. That yeah. season, fifty-two goals, get promotion, win the Sherpa van. I know you've gone at that point, um, but. Could you did you see that sort of bubbling away when you was there? Could you see it was on the verge something special happening? Well, do you know what? Eventually, I could. Um, yeah. Because at the time, Africa were out injured at the time, but Graham came in and they were absolutely struggling at the time. Yes. The Wolves. Um, yes. You know, I think we'd been beaten by Charlie yeah. in the yeah. FA Cup. It was it was quite tough but then you know I, I always have this laugh with Mickey Mickey Holmes that yeah. you know I, I always say it's, it's his fault because <laughs> I got um, released at um, at the Wolves but because Mickey went on this unbelievable run didn't he yes you know, although I were absolutely pleased with him because I've known Mickey um, from the age of nine right. so I was so pleased with him but then on the other side of it it was kind of me getting pushed out there you know that's right because Mickey Holmes scored seven in seven which is a record that stands to this day so yeah. he was there at the time then Roger so he was keeping you out the side eh? well it, do you know what he was he was keeping me out the side but do you know what it's I can't say that that's kind of football um, yes. it could have been me keeping him out of the, out of yeah. the side and it it's just one of those things at the time because listen, I was settled at Wolves, although I were only there a year, but 
you know, the people down at Wolves, I absolutely love them. Yeah. You know, I've been around a few clubs and they're absolutely fantastic. Um, during the week, I stayed with um, two Wolves supporters, um, Jack and Olive Carr. Jack and now, Olive Carr, yeah. A few Wolves yeah. players have stopped with uh, Jack and Olive. Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. And do you know what? That were a big disappointment. Cause I, I, do you know what? I think I might have been back once when I played against, against them. It might have been in the reserves for... Um, for Burnley, but yeah. honestly, you know, Wolverhampton, absolutely great place. Oh, it. so it, hold, it still holds a special place in your heart then, Roger? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, just just the people, they were brilliant, so warm. And, you know, you mentioned um, 3,200 or yeah. supporters. Do you know what? <laughs> the noise that they made and the passion, yeah. very similar to Burnley, very yeah. similar to Burnley. They might not have the biggest of crowds, I know Wolves has, has grown, um, but passion and you know what? You can't be playing for or playing in front of a, a crowd like that. Oh, you can't. And what's 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 all what's very interesting, Roger? Is you know there was three thousand. You know the average crowd, maybe a little bit more in the eighty five eighty six season, mm. and it dropped into the low three thousands. But then yeah. two years later, when they are beginning. You know, to, to to start gelling and bullies there scoring the goals yeah. up front with Andy Much. All of a sudden, there's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, yeah. eighteen thousand there. And then when they get to Wembley, they take fifty thousand. So the, so it was. I know it's a pun, but it was a sleeping giant. Well, Jason, that's exactly right. Because listen, I've been at, at Ellen Road where there's been eight thousand. Now Leeds could easily pull sixty thousand. Yes, yeah. it's 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 they are supporters are there. Yeah. The history will always always tell. Yes, you know you'll always get those supporters because, you know, you can't beat historic football clubs, can you? No, no, and and you mentioned you know Wolves, Leeds, Burnley. These yeah. are all similar clubs, really, when they've had fantastic eras uh, gone by, yeah. and they fell on hard times, and it's been tough, and then they've, they've yeah. had to make the climb back up the leagues. Yeah, do you know what? That um, I also think that strengthens a club. Yes. Um, you know, the hard times you, you should never ever forget the hard times um, because unfortunately with the Premier League yeah with all the money it's not too hard to go back there and that should be a driving force not to be able to um, you know to fall out of the top flight yeah. so you know that, that that is where I think that is the principle they should look at you know it's easy yeah and, easy to be done and, and what's interesting you know a couple of years before you joined Wolves, there, there was a top-flight club, but it can happen so quickly, can't it? And it was that period yeah. where they had the successive relegations. Exactly, exactly. It's um, it's amazing, isn't it, how, yeah. how how it does happen? But do you know what? They are in the top division now, oh. and you know everybody's got to be happy with that. I mean, what's interesting now? I, I don't normally like to talk about the, the the present team, but I will do now because it, it must be for you to look back and and you know. Played for Wolves, uh, uh, like I said, a particularly difficult time financially um, mm. on the pitch, off the pitch as well. Um, it, it, to see the club now, it must give you great pride as well, Roger. Well, it actually does. You know, as long as I have this thing with football clubs these days, as long as they don't forget the supporters, yeah. As long as they look after the supporters, because without them, that supported them in the yeah. bad times. They yeah. have to look after them now. And listen, there's some clubs that will and some clubs that will totally and they'll say it's a business. But really clubs like Leeds, clubs like Burnley, clubs like Wolverhampton, 
and I'm sure there's many more, yes. without those supporters, without those 3,000 supporters at Brentford on the debut, they wouldn't be where they are today. Completely. So that's what the ball's got to keep in mind as well. Oh, completely, Roger, completely. Um, what's interesting about your career is as well, after leaving Wolves, it was a bit of a whistle-stop tour of Cambridge mm-hmm. crew, Yorkbury. But then, yeah. I, I believe this is right, I believe you dipped into non-league and then you come back yeah. in the league with Burnley. Is that right? Well, I was at um, I was at Bury at the time. Yeah. Um, actually, before that, I played against um, the Wolves for crew. Right. Um, yeah, I think I think Wolves beat us two. That had been two 0 I bet Burnley scored and both, didn't they? Um, I'm not sure if Stevie Bull scored that day. Probably more, 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 more <laughs> likely to. But I remember running on the pitch, and I got the biggest wondrous reject. And to be honest, <laughs> I was quite happy with that. To be honest, you know, um, the Wolves had taken blimey all behind the goal at Crew, yeah. and like I said earlier, they are unbelievable supporters. Incredible, incredible supporters. And they greeted you with wondrous sorry. reject. Oh, Wanderers reject, yeah, got that, <laughs> yeah, but everybody gets that, don't they, yes. you know? Yeah, you hey, your... Roger, don't take it personal, mate, don't take... they can be quite fickle, the Wolves bunch, I'll tell you. Oh, <laughs> uh, do, do you know what, I, I never take take it personal, do you know what, um, I've, had, I've had far worse abuse than that, but no, if I'd have been scoring for Wolves, it'd have been a different matter, wouldn't it, so, yeah. I, hey. I understand it. Listen, you, you, listen, you lived the dream and played your role at the end of the day, what I was going to ask, and I... I would never ask a player from the last 15 years because, it's, to be honest, it's not that interesting. But what sort of money mm. were you on at Wolves back in that, that the, the glory days not, of the uh, 1986? Not, not, not great. <laughs> not, when I say not great, it wasn't bad for yes. the time. But I'm not even going to start saying figures because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah. when I say embarrassing, it's embarrassing com- in comparison to what yeah. they're earning now. But in comparison to people who were who were working from day to day it was very good yes you know yeah um, uh, to be honest uh roger most of the the players say that from that era and yeah and there could have been good good bonus schemes and structures in place but obviously you've got yeah. to be winning games to, to to get that um but yeah so you, you, you dipped into non-league you come back with burnley now you had a fantastic season which i know burnley fans remember you very fondly for was the 91-92 season so you've obviously started off as a right back and you know defender midfielder you said your favorite position was either out on the wing or center mid then in that that the the golden year of 91-92 you scored 17 goals for Burnley yeah well previously I'd scored I'd scored 12 the season before yeah um three the season um, before that, because um, I'd gone in as a makeshift striker yes. um, two years prior, um, one of the players got injured. I went in and started scoring goals, and I carried on playing the full season as a striker. And then I went into the second, the third season as a striker. So, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was great. It was interesting, and I've got to say that I remember one thing that I always used to do. I used to get um, the um, videos that were back then and I had one of Steve Bull and I always used to use Steve Bull okay. because his focus yeah. and his total commitment to scoring goals yes. and it helps so I used to pull bits that I could off um, many a players but Steve was definitely one that I would focus on you know do you, do you know what Roger that's really interesting because obviously you know 
you, you, you know, Steve, listen, he would run through yeah. a brick wall for the cause. And he'd, exactly. be, he'd be chasing balls that he had no right to win. He'd be having shots, which, yeah. you know, he, he, listen, you know, he'd have his back to goal. Next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. And, and yeah. for a striker, to, for you to score 17 goals, is it a real confidence thing? You know, once you get on a bit of a run, do you go into every game thinking, do you know what, I've got a chance of scoring today? Well, do you know what? It's kind of interesting because when I played, I played up front with two strike partners um, at the time in Burnley. So one was Ron Futcher and yeah. one was Mickey Conroy. Now, I always saw myself as not the goal scorer. I w- 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 preferred to be the goal scorer come provider. Yes. The goal scorer who'd get a free kick, the goal scorer who would get a penalty. Yes. You know like the creator so I enjoyed that as long as we won but I do understand what you're saying you do get the confidence yep. and listen like 17 I should have probably scored 25 if I had taken penalties I might have got another 5 yeah. but as long as we achieve what we, we wanted to I'm not sure whether that's even the right attitude but that always used to be me and that used to be my driving force if somebody else scored it was great as long as we won you yeah. know I mean, I think, you know, using Steve Bull as the comparable with that, um, with Steve, yes, he, he, he was very single-minded. Mm. And I think he, he, you know, yeah, he did provide goals and land goals for Andy Much, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. But he was so single-minded. And there was, listen, you watch the videos back now, and yeah. there was times when it he, he looked easier to lay the ball off, and he's got two defenders in front of him. He's got one yeah. hanging on his calves. Next thing you know, like I said, in the back of the net. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say to, to any young striker, you know, I know the game's changed a bit now, yeah. but listen, they'll go back to the number nines. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they will. Yes. But if you want... To see something, Alan Shearer is exactly the same. Yeah. Whether it's a physical battle, you know, um, one-to-ones, scoring, they are so focused and they've got one thing in mind and that is to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And that's, do you know what, it, it's it's not easy to score a goal, but no. when you see these guys who score them um, year on and year out, it's just incredible, yeah. incredible. And they do make it look easy. Um, yeah, they do. Your career, Roger, after Burnley, I believe you went to two uh, very different countries. I believe you ended up in China and latterly Scotland. So how did how did the move to, to China come along and what was the experience like? Well, it was interesting at Burnley. Um, I mean, I was I was surprised. I'd been out for a while again with my knee, uh, knee injury. Uh, two knee injuries, actually. I had two... Yeah. Two two legs, two different knees. Huh. It was just an absolute nightmare. Um, so all in all, I probably had six operations. So I were out for about eight months. And obviously Burnley had signed a number of strikers. So to be honest, I was surplus to requirements. And I just absolutely had enough. I'd had, had enough... Um, I probably had enough of the English game and probably because, yes. you know, I thought I'd get my chance because of what I'd done at, at Burnley, I'd, I'd certainly get my chance to prove myself again, but that wasn't the case. So, do you know what? I had a um, um, an agency that got on, on in touch with me, asked me if I'd be interested in going to China. And to be honest, I think the furthest away from um, from England <laughs> were the better at that time, you know, <laughs> so I couldn't get any further, could I? No. <laughs> what was it like? I mean, 
I'm sure the league was was up and coming and developing there. Mm. Um, and I suppose it was a time really there weren't that many British players going abroad. You know, it was not like it is now, where you know it's almost uh, you know open travel for players coming in and out. But back then, yeah. it wasn't really, especially to go to China. It wasn't the the done thing. No, it, it wasn't. Do you know what it was? Um... It was quite nerve-wracking, but yeah. do you know what? When I got there, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, every single player, it didn't matter whether they came from Brazil, Korea, they had to um, perform a fitness a fitness test. Yeah. So my first port of call, well, um, I had to go to Beijing. And right. we had, um, they like had a, um, a fitness day where you had to do... They call it the Cooper Run, but it was around the 400 metre track, which were really hard in the humid conditions. So you had to do um, eight laps of a 400 metre track in 12 minutes. Yeah. Then you had to do a shuttle run um, in a precise time. And if you didn't do that, you couldn't play in the league. So what they were trying to do is, is not have anybody who weren't fit yeah. um, and physically fit going into league. So, you know, I had to perform that... Um, Passed the test and then signed for a, a team called Fasan, yeah. which I absolutely loved. It was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. And then uh, you ended up in, in Scotland, Partick Thistle, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that were an interesting one because I'd done my stint in, um, in Scotland, but I'd, I kind of decided, you know, that, that were me. I, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to create what I wanted to do you yeah. know, for the next stage of my life. Um but then Schoolfort rang me yeah. and Schoolfort rang me. They asked me what I was doing. I said I'd come back. They asked me, would I consider coming in, coming in on trial? So I went in. I went in. I think I might have, might have got on the bench. I've got on once or twice. Um, but then, you know, I was sat in the stand after... Um, yes, yeah, I sat in the stand after a game and there were an agent who contacted me and he had connections and Patty Fissel were looking for a striker because he'd known what I'd done. Yeah. And at Burnley, the, he sort of said, that, well, how come you're not playing now? And so I went up to Patty Fissel. Yeah. Um, but that was difficult. That was a massive eye-opener because I'd spent the season in China. Yeah. And it wasn't that physical. So you're kind of thinking you're going from China yes. to a slower standard, a lower standard of football, and you're going into the uh, into the um, Scottish Prem, and that was difficult. That was really so, difficult. Oh, actually, so we're, sorry, I didn't actually realise that. Were Partick Thistle in the Scottish Prem at the time? Yes, they were, yeah. yeah. Flipping yeah. heck. Yeah. So, so, so career-wise, so it was a good sorry. move at that time, I suppose. Well, do you know what? It worked out. Was I ready? I weren't ready for that. If I'd have gone straight after Burnley, I think, and I had the, yes. the the right mindset, I would have been. I would have been fine. But from going from a disappointment at Burnley and then to China, and then trying to, you know, to play at that level because yeah. there's some really excellent players up there and very physical players up there as well. Yeah. And then, obviously, you, you're looking out for the Celtic and Rangers fixtures, aren't you, where you get a chance then to play on the stage of 30,000, 40,000 people back then. Um, you know, yeah. that's obviously what you're looking forward to, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I think I've got hearts and hips, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that'll do. Not say that hearts and hips, they're fantastic yeah. football clubs, but, you know, it, it just weren't right. I mean, um, probably from the knock-on effect of Burnley, where... 
I think the disappointment, it actually knocked the stuffing out of me. Hence, yeah. you know, getting on a long flight to China. Yeah. Um, probably my frame of mind, really, it wasn't it wasn't right for, for that type of football back then. And it, I suppose it's frustrating from your point of view, because like I said, that, that golden season at Burnley, 17 goals, and there was 12 the season before. Um, you, you, you know, you're on a, a positive run. Do you think maybe that the, the move to China, because the standard wasn't as you expected, maybe hindered you a little bit, Roger? Well, do you know, do you know what, Jason? I think when you're trying to any player who, who's been through this, when you you're going through your recovery, and yeah. you know you actually get through those injuries, and you yeah. are fit, you want to see light at the end of the tunnel. So yes. basically, you want to get back to where, or at least get the opportunity. And when I didn't get that opportunity, it totally knocked the stuffing out of me. Yeah. And it really knocked the stuffing out of me. So there were probably this kind of, um, this body that were going over to China that really didn't have the love for it anymore. Because to be honest, I, you know, I absolutely love my time at Burnley. And again, the supporters at Burnley, they were, you know, absolutely fantastic with me. Yeah. So my heart was in Burnley. Um, I didn't really want to play any, anywhere else, you know. Although, I, you know, I did have the offers to go and play, but I weren't going to go to the other side of the country and start playing again, you know. Yeah. Because my heart just weren't there. And that could be then quite unglamorous in itself by travelling down to a much mm. lower league team the other end of the country, it's unsettling for your family, and, and then you become yeah. a bit of a journeyman, really. And, it, 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 you know, it's not as glamorous as people think. No, Jason, that, that, that's the thing. It's difficult because I live 27 miles away from Burnley. Um, yeah. It was great. Um, the supporters loved me. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's that effect again. Where Graham Turner comes, Brian, Brian Little loses his job. Sammy yeah. loses his job. Brian loses his job. Graham comes in. Graham do not fancy it. And that was kind of the thing at Burnley. But the disappointing thing is, is that it was the manager or the coach at Burnley who released me, who we'd, I'd done so well for. That was the most disappointing thing, really. Yeah. But, you know, as I say, I won't be the first, I won't be the last. Uh, of course. And, you, you know, you mentioned that you start losing your love for the game. When you have that many injuries, it is difficult to, to, to keep coming back and it is frustrating. And, you know, once you've had a taste of... Um, playing first team football and scoring goals when you are constantly injured, it, it, it does weigh down on you, doesn't it? Yeah, and and do you know what it does? It absolutely does. It, it kind of destroys you. But I, I do understand it from a, a coach's point of view. I really do because a coach has to get a settled team. I understand yes. that. Um, and if he's got a settled team, um, certainly at Burnley, if, he, if, if Roger Eli comes back into that fold, the supporters are going to want him to play. Yeah. If he's striker that he's paid X amount of pounds for, and Roger Eli's on that bench, their supporters are going to want him to get on there. Yeah. And it kind of then goes against the coach for, if you like, spending the club's money and just not waiting, yeah. if you understand what I'm saying. Yes. So I, I do understand it. it. It was kind of easy to get me out of the club. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't help because you do lo you you lose the love for the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, after coming out of football, or, sh or should say retiring from football, mm. what jobs have you done since football, Roger? Uh, have you done anything away from football, and what do you do now? Yeah, well, when I came when I came out of the game, I set up um, um, a business in textiles, so I did right. that for a good few. 
number of years. So we're expect, uh, exporting um, suit materials across the world, basically. Yeah. Um, so anything we manufactured, um, rolls of suit material, and sent them across to Singapore, China, and America. Yeah. Um, which were interested. And then we set up a business, totally different um, office supplies business. We did that for 15 years, sold yeah. that um, two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, four, and then I'm on to my third business now. So, so it's like print and products now. So print brokering and office supplies. So, yeah, okay. all good. All good. That's why I've been struggling to get hold of you because to get this interview over the line, I've been busy, you've been busy, I've been busy, you've been busy. Yeah, like, What's that yeah, tennis yeah. for about a month? Yeah, it is It is difficult, but, you know, yeah. we're finally here, aren't we? Brilliant, brilliant. And if you can look back on that career, Roger, because, you know, it was a prolonged career. It took you all over the world, um, took you to sunny Wolverhampton, to China, to Scotland and uh, Burnley. What, if you look back on it, what's your abiding memory of your entire career? Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, but the older you get, you just see it as part and partial. I wish I could have eliminated, if I could have eliminated, eliminated the injuries, I would have known where my career could have taken me. Yeah. But with having so many injuries, I'm so pleased with the experience that I've had because yes. the, the, the people that I've met, the players I've played with, yeah. you know, it's been incredible, you know, um, from that side, but I would have liked to know where, if you could say, my talent without the injuries would have taken me. Yeah, you know. But you know what? To to have played for the Wolves, to have played for Burnley, to have played for Leeds United. You know, these are all Premiership clubs, oh, although they were clubs. different times. So to be connected and to be in part of that history, listen, I can only be happy. I can only be pleased. You know. Oh, that's good. I mean. What, I know Mickey Holmes is a regular listener to the podcast, so I know he'll be uh, he'll be tuning into this. But listen, Roger, you, you're quite right. You played for some huge clubs. Um, from our point of view, and uh, uh, speaking on behalf of the Wolves fans, that we're honoured that you played for the Wolves, lived the dream. Um, we really, really appreciate your time on the Wolf Whistle today. Thank you for representing our great club. Thank you for giving up your time today, and, and thank you for telling your story. And we welcome you back on the podcast anytime. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank hey, you. You're welcome.